In this episode, I'll talk about some lessons that I took recently with three of my horses. I'll talk about things that were taught and lessons that were learned. So here we go, episode 80, Ancora Imparo. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Well, I guess the first thing I need to explain is what I mean by Ancora Imparo. So this is something that, uh, as stories go, (laughs) they say that Michelangelo said this after completing the Sistine Chapel, and it means, yet I am learning. Now, people debate whether he was actually the one who, you know, became known for that, but, you know, enough people say he said it. I like the story. I'm going to go with it. So the idea is, of course, that we're always learning. And I actually have a plaque that says Ancora Amparo right over my tack room door. In case the horses don't remind me enough (laughs) that I'm still learning, I have that sign to remind me. Now, I just finished four days of getting lessons on three of my horses. I'm pretty driven. I'm pretty self-motivated. I'm pretty focused. And I'm actually perfectly happy alone with my horses. But this year, I've been a bit itchy to get out and just ride with people. So I signed up for a couple, uh, four four days of clinics. So I thought I'd just share a little bit about uh, the experience with each of those horses. So one of the horses needed to go back to basics in order to go forward. Another one, we kind of upped the quality of where she was and got a little more particular. And the third horse, we um, touched on her most challenging movement. Now, it was just down the road from me. uh, So I would bring a horse, go take a lesson, bring one back, then go bring the other one, come back later. (laughs) It was a a bit crazy. Uh, But it did allow me to help my horses keep as much of a normal lifestyle as possible between the lessons. All right, so let me just start with the first horse that I rode. So I I rode Ovation, uh, and he's my Holsteiner paint horse. And now I'll talk about my horses. If anybody doesn't know who these horses are, uh, if you're in the video classroom, you can find lots of videos on all these horses and put a a name to the, a face to the name. All right, so with Ovation, uh, he's uh, 18, he's the most advanced horse, he's touching on everything in Grand Prix, Uh, and when I brought Ovation, I actually brought his buddy, Hotshot, also, and I brought him because even though Ovation has been off the property a lot, and he's trailered by himself, and he can be fine, I haven't done a lot recently with him bringing him off the property by himself. And I just 
didn't want this to be an emotional issue for him. I really wanted this to be a dressage focused lesson. So I just called the organizer and I said, Hey, is it all right if I bring another horse and have somebody just hold them? And she said, sure, no problem. So this is um, really about looking ahead and setting my horse up for success, right? So Hotshot, he's, he's kind of in retirement now, so he's looks a bit like a, wool, a woolly mammoth right now. But Hotshot had a great time, and he just hung out, and uh, and it, it helped Ovation be able to focus on what we needed to focus on and not uh, being worried about being trailered or being emotional because his friends were there. So with Ovation, even though he's really advanced, uh, we ended up with him going really deep into the connection, the connection in the throughness of his body and the connection with the reins. Uh, those of you who know Ovation know I've always had a little trouble with um, finding bits that he likes. He does, typically has not liked snaffle bits at all. So I've ridden him primarily bitless and more recently um, with a bitless bridle. And then I found a curb that he tolerates. Um, but actually through these lessons, because I took a lesson with him also in December, uh, started experimenting with a new round of bits, which I hate trying. But I actually did come across um, an interesting snaffle uh, from Bomber's Bits called the Happy Tongue. Uh, and he actually likes that even better than the curb I was using. Or maybe like is the wrong word. Um, he seems more comfortable <laughs> than with other bits and I can actually feel him. So this, um, this was really about trying to find that connection and get that. He's really tricky with him the way he, uh, the way his confirmation is, the way his movement patterns are. And it was really nice to get confirmation from the, the instructor, uh, who analyzed, you know, his movement dynamic and his confirmation was like, yeah, this is a really tricky type of horse. And we can, he can see that it really is, um, a bit issue and that he just is not comfortable with the bits. So anyway, that was very confirming of like, okay, that's why <laughs> he's so tricky. Uh, but he did tempt me to ride with just the snaffle. And it's been a long time since I rode with just a snaffle. Um, because Sometimes if he gets even a slightly uncomfortable, he can pull his tongue up his mouth and then sometimes he'll want to put it over. And in those moments, I, I want to have the bitless um, to talk to him with or at least a neck rope or something else. So I don't, I can really just drop the snaffle reins and give him some relief. So even though... <laughs> The, the clinician was like, just ride him in the snaffle. I still showed up with the bitless and the snaffle because I thought, well, I can always drop the bitless reins. I had tied them up in a knot and I didn't use them, but I knew that they were there for those mo in case there was a moment where ovation, um, you know, really objected to something in the snaffle. So with, with ovation, the lesson was really about me thinking ahead and thinking about how I could set my horse up for success. And I was willing to make compromises in his favor. 
So even though the clinician said, I think you should ride in just the snaffle, I still showed up with the bitless and the snaffle on um, as a compromise, right? So I had my own safety net. Uh, I just didn't want Ovation to get in a situation where then he felt really uncomfortable and I knew he was uncomfortable, whether it was emotional um, or physical from the bit because I had just ridden in the bit a, a few days. So it was promising, but I wasn't sure um, how he would respond to it under any kind of pressure. So that was the, you know, so the things that I was taught, I, I, I really loved how he coached me through finding a really good connection with him. And he had a, a little bit different way of describing it and a different way of using my body and, and the reins. Uh, and Ovation really responded to it. And I'm actually thrilled and he's been um, doing well um, since then. So that was the lesson that was taught. But the lesson that was learned was, you know, really about thinking ahead, making compromises, being willing to maybe have the instructor not be so happy with me, but at least my horse was happy with me. And it's a bit about um, going back to basics in order to go forward. So a lot of times people think, oh, that's going backwards. It's never going backwards. If you, you know, you're taking your basics to the next level. That's why I call it the upward spiral. So yeah, he's advanced. And then we worked on, you know, getting throughness. You could think that's pretty basic, but it's the kind of throughness that's going to improve all the upper level movements. Uh, because even though he can do all these movements, the hardest part with ovation is getting from one movement to the next, because <laughs> that's when his, his body can um, fall out of balance. So that was ovation. He's a rock star though. He was happy. I think we both left that feeling really comfortable with each other. So the other horse that I brought uh, was my horse, Solana, and she's going really well. Uh, our main focus with her was really about um, keeping her more consistently uphill and carrying, uh, especially on the right lead canter. So the right lead is her weaker lead, and that's the lead that she'll try a little harder to um go more on the forehand or to get a little crooked and wiggly or to try to avoid um, carrying. And on the first day, the trouble that I ran into was really a stamina issue. Um, I'm not sure if it was actual physical stamina or just mental stamina, like, hey, mom, you usually don't make me do it for this long. Uh, also a little bit of a challenge because I think, you know, I love my horses and when I ride by myself and I'm, I think I'm being accountable, but sometimes I'm not. And I know I, I probably err on the side of <laughs> giving them breaks a little sooner rather than later and preserving the harmony. So when challenged to, you know, maintain and do another long side and do another long side and keep it going, um, on that, on the left lead and at the trot, she could really rise to the occasion, but on the right lead, she was just like, come on, this is hard. And she would flip a lead or, or get a little low. And then I had trouble getting her back up again. So, you know, we were looking for a heap. The, the clinician was looking for a, a different dynamic of aids also. So I was feeling a little bit ineffective. So I was trying to do what he was saying. It wasn't really working. Solana was getting really good at wheeling out of it. 
And so we, we, we did well the first day, but there was like, huh, there's that one little piece. Like, what can I do differently? So the next morning I started the lesson by asking some questions. So I, he had talked about the importance of the decision-making. So I started the lesson by asking him or by just stating, you know, it seemed like the biggest missing piece was on the right lead. And once she started going lower, um, I had trouble getting her back up in the moment. If I took a break, she would start again really nicely. But after a certain point, she would kind of dump a little bit on the forehand and get a little low on the neck. And in that moment, I couldn't get her back up. So I asked him and I said, when she, when that happens, it seems I have three, you know, a few choices. The three I could think of was in that moment, do I figure out something more to do with my aids to make me more effective in that moment? Or do I go, uh oh, I'm at a point of no return and stop and give a break and start again? Or do I simply persist in the amount of aids that I'd like to use and let corners and, you know, the patterns and the consistency hopefully end up having her pop up. So that's what I said I was trying to figure out. So if it happened in this lesson, what do I do? So <laughs> um, I wasn't surprised. Um, he said, you know, in that moment, we need to get more effective. Uh, I had a feeling that's what he was going to say, even though I was wrestling back and forth with, well, if we just give her a break, she'll start back fresh and go again. So I was prepared for him to say, get more effective. And I was willing to do that because I think it's important to have aids that work. And I thought, and so what, what he said and what was in my mind too, I really liked these like in that moment, get more effective. Then when she comes up and gives you a good answer, then we'll praise and give her a break. So I thought that was a really nice compromise to say it's a little bit of, yeah, we'll give her a break, but, but we have to get a better response and kind of gave me permission to maybe um, get a little messy <laughs> in order to get that response. So um, we had started out and what was really cool is I think Solana slept on it and was thinking the same things about like, what do I have to do here? And she just really rose to the occasion. I actually didn't really have that issue. Maybe a little bit, I could tell the difference on the right lead, but she was right there and responsive. Um, so that was really cool because she was there. And even though I was prepared to deal with the, the issue I had the day before, I didn't really have that issue. So after making some improvements to the general balance, and the dynamic caring, we then got really precise about keeping that during her flying changes. So she's got really good flying changes. But uh, when I go to do tempies, sometimes I lose her because she'll get a little low, uh, especially on that right lead, and it takes me too many strides to get back up. So it's the same thing. So we really tested her, this carrying power, right? So yay, you're doing it. Now let's test it. And we only did individual flying changes, but got really precise on the, of the line of travel and really precise about the quality of the canter coming all the way into the change. And then immediately after the change. And, uh, 
it was music to my ears because she just nailed it. I mean, it was really fun to do a flying change and have the clinician yell out, that's a 10. <laughs> so um, super, super excited, super, super proud of her. She really was mentally engaged, right? So coming from day one to day two, there was, she thought about it. She cared. She rose to the occasion. That was not, even though it was a physically demanding lesson, if it was just a physical component, she should have been tired. She should have been more tired on day two and should have done less. But she understood the puzzle. She understood what we were asking. She couldn't nail it on day one, but she made a decision to have different responses on day two. So that's training is not just physical, right? It's, it's mental. And Solana is typically not that responsive in the moment. It's all a mental game. So this is, you know, kind of the, the lesson was about, um, the importance of, even if things are hard, making sure that your horse understands the point. And then perhaps even more importantly, is the, the benefit of revisiting the hard things the next day. So if I hadn't revisited that the next day, I would have just gone, wow, that was a hard day a couple days ago. <laughs> you know. But if you give them another chance, then they get another chance. They get a chance to be successful more easily. If we've engaged their minds and if we understand the job. So a lot of times I've seen people have um, a hard lesson and they go, oh, that was hard. I'm going to make it up to my horse. I'll give them a few days off after that. But then they don't get a chance to revisit and to be a rock star and to show you that they learned something. And because she was rising the occasion, even though we were very precise, she got more breaks. It wasn't as um, much of an endurance, you know, lesson. She was like nailing it and then we could praise her. And, uh, you know, so just make sure that if you have a hard lesson, but you think you got your point across, go touch on it the next day and let your horse show you that they learned it. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are gonna be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before. So it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. All right, next horse. (laughs) 
So the other one I brought was Natia. And this would the, is the first time that this person had seen Natia. So I just wanted to get a general impression. She's going really lovely. Uh, so I just wanted a general impression. And then I also told him about our biggest challenge. It's a pretty big challenge. Um, but I also told him I didn't necessarily want to work on it. So Natia and my biggest challenge is getting clean changes. Uh, she's one of those ones that turns out like I don't ever see her do a clean change at Liberty. It's often like not, doesn't even feel like a full stride late. It's, it's a really interesting, very slightly late behind, uh, almost like it's within the mechanism of her gate for some reason, which is weird because her canter is perfectly fine. Not a lot of jump, but it's a perfectly clean canter. And it's the kind of change that, you know, even on video, you can look at it and go, wait, is that clean? That's not really clean. It seemed clean when I watched it, but then on video in slow motion, you're like, it's not clean. Anyway, and it's been a big sticking point. Um, and so I didn't necessarily want to just open up that can of worms. I just wanted Natia to come out. There's plenty of other stuff to work on. And, um, you know, I was happy to do anything. So on the first day, it was really about engagement and better balance. Um, Natia has a very willing um, pee off. That's kind of easy for her. Um, but she she could sit a lot more. Sometimes it's a little too much like a trot in place. Um, so we, we, he helped me with that, gave me a really cool exercise doing haunches in at the walk and then haunches in, um, walk to haunches in pee off to haunches in walk transitions. Super cool. And just by doing that, uh, she was starting to sit more. So, and I could really feel the difference. So that was really cool. We did a lot of, um, collectability at the canter, doing uh, shorter and longer strides and especially like uber collection in the corners. She's awesome. She's just light. She's awesome. She's sweet. She's focused and she's generous. So the next day we came back and started out with the same stuff and she was just lovely. Um, so, you know, we said, all right, let's just do some flying changes and then he can get his eyes on her and even just give me an impression because her canter was just so nice. So we set it out, we set out to do that. And I just went down the line and, um, I hadn't really asked her for a flying change in a while. So the first one was definitely late behind as usual. And then as we repeated the, the pattern that we were on, um, she just started going, Oh, I get it. It's the flying change thing. And she likes to just kind of throw her change in before I actually ask for it. Um, and that's often when she gets the best, <laughs> the best flying changes. Um, so we got into this weird thing where I was heading out to do on the line and I was supposed to maybe do a flying change at the end of the line, but I turned the corner and somewhere as I was collecting her, um, she would just flip a change. And now, but he was saying that the changes were clean. So it got to a really weird moment because he was going, yeah, that was clean, but you know, she shouldn't have done it without you asking. So keep going. And I'm thinking if that was clean, that would be really unusual. 
and I should reward her for that. So this is where it got hard for me because I was really conflicted because she would flip a change. He would say it was clean, but he would say, no, he wasn't saying correct her or punish her, nothing like that. It was just kind of walk and pick it up and go again or just continue on that lead, but try it again. So it was a little bit more of like, we'll just do it again and don't let her do that. So there's no punishing going on. But I was all excited. <laughs> so after a few of these and it was going and then sometimes I would, she would wait and then I would ask and usually it was not clean, but then she'd flip one and it was clean. <sighs> so I got myself in this like moment where I'm like, and I could feel Natia getting emotional because she's thinking, lady, I'm doing it. And he was saying, keep going. And I felt this is the, okay, this is a weird moment. So what I'm, what's a girl to do? Well, what's a girl to do? You stop and you ask a question. <laughs> so I just stopped. And even though he said, no, 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 keep going, keep going. I said, I have a question. <laughs> so as I stopped and asked my question really slowly, I made it a little bit of a long question. This is all on purpose as I'm rubbing Natia and I'm rubbing Natia and I'm giving her some cookies. And I said, I said, if these, if, if she really is doing clean flying changes, as many as you've said, I said, that's more than she's done ever <laughs> in her life. I said, I really want to reward that. And so he explained, he understood that. But it was really important for the horses to keep their emotional self-control and to keep the physical self-control and to be doing what you're saying to do in the moment. So he said, if they ask, if they offer something you didn't ask for, you don't reward it. You don't punish it. You just repeat it. And I get that. I really do understand that principle. And I understand the danger of horses just flipping their leads. But here's the thing. Horses can, there's a, there's a difference between these two scenarios. One scenario is you're asking your horse to collect and to wait. And the demand of that collection is too much for them. And they flip their lead in order to avoid carrying. So for example, if you're doing canter pirouette stuff, a lot of times when you're starting to school canter pirouettes, and if they're weak on that side, they'll flip their lead to avoid the demands of the exercise you're doing. And in that case, again, you don't punish, you don't reward, you just, well, let's get back to that lead and we're going to repeat it and try to do it so that they make it so that they don't do that. So totally get that. Same thing with um, counter canner or even sometimes in half pass, which is weird, or even just collection as you're collecting to do a canter to walk transition. Sometimes a horse can flip a lead and then you want to go, oh, I don't want them to learn how to avoid I don't want them to learn to use a flying change to avoid something. So I totally get it. But in my mind, Natia was actually not avoiding anything. She was as collected as I was asking her to be. She was on a straight line. She was offering the thing that she knew I ultimately wanted. So was she in a particular moment not doing what I asked? Absolutely. I, I was saying, keep going on the left lead and she'd flip the right. But did she know we were working on flying changes? Yes. Does she know it's hard for her? Yes. Does she do them better when she just does them on her own? 
yes. <laughs> so I think Natia was being a pretty clever girl. Now, if the changes were late and late because she wasn't letting me prepare her or something like that, then again, yeah, then the priority would be, hey, don't do that. But every time she changed on her own, Lewis was saying that was clean. So anyway, so I think we, we had a, you know, a difference of opinion on that. I could be totally wrong. I haven't solved the problem yet with her clean flying changes. So maybe I am wrong, but emotionally and for Natia, I knew she was not avoiding. She was not resisting. She was offering, she was using her brain and she was just calmly doing the thing that she thought I wanted her to do. And so, you know, that's again, where I was willing to take the hit and have him go, Hey, no, come on, keep going. And, and I was willing to be resistant student in that moment and give her a break for a second because I don't like feeling that I'm, I don't like the feeling of me listening to the instructor at the expense of my horse. You know, I have to feel like I'm doing it and I'm with. So after we talked, you know, it was kind of like, all right, now what do we do? So he said, you know, it was getting late in the lesson. He's like, Let, let's just repeat that line, but don't do any flying changes. Like, we're just not going to ask her for flying changes anymore. So I thought, all right, that I can do because then what we're asking, what I'm really asking her to do, knowing I'm not doing any flying changes, I could just completely get that out of my head and I could show her that what I was asking her to do is actually easier than what she thought she has to do. And I thought that that was fair enough. So even though it was, she was seeming a little bit tired, um, I thought she's okay. You know, she's not hyperventilating or anything. She's okay. We can do this. And um, I felt like that was fair to ask her to do something slightly easier. So I did. And, you know, she flipped a couple more. And, you know, so he wanted me to do like three different versions of this line you know, just maintaining the canter and she'd do like two and then she'd flip a change. And he's like, start again, you know, and have to do three in a row, you know, the dreaded one more time. So it was a little uncomfortable, but I just started talking. I was like, all right, we got to get this. Um, you know, do I jump off or do I keep going? And so even though he was, he was talking in my headset to me, I just started talking to Natia. I changed my energy. I just said, I have to send all my love and all my attention to Tia. I'm not going to listen <laughs> anymore. So I was doing what I was supposed to be doing on the pattern I was supposed to be doing on. And I just started talking to her. I was like, just can't, or you're a good girl. You got this. You got this easy. Stay on the left lead. Stay on the left lead. And I just talked to him and I knew everybody could hear me talking to her. <laughs> but again, I'm willing to take the hit. I'm willing to be the weird student and not be listening as long as I was connecting with my horse. So at the end, she was tired, but she was emotionally okay. I think we both dug deep and stayed in harmony with each other. So again, I, I could let the conflict be, be between me and my mind and my teacher, yet I could still stay an excellent partner for my horse, even when doing something different than what I usually do with her. And, you know, it's what it's about, 
right? Stretching and growing and dealing with these different circumstances that push us out of our comfort zone. So it was really the lesson learned was about me having part of my mind register the conflict, right? So I'm registering the conflict in this case between me and the teacher, but yet not let there be conflict between me and my horse. Not always easy to do. It's not easy being a student. (laughs) Now, later, when I reviewed the video, I was all excited because I'm thinking, oh, I get to see a clean flying change on Atiyah. And when I reviewed the video, turns out they actually weren't clean. (laughs) You know, and I'm looking at his, his view of where he was standing and where she was popping the changes. And, you know, I have to watch it in slow motion, but they actually, most of them, I think there was one that was clean, but I was heading straight to the camera, so I couldn't really see. Uh, so in the end, it was a little disappointing because I was really excited. Um, but in the end, it was it's a continuation of my exercise with any horse in managing expectations, right? So for after I watched the video, I kind of went into a little pouty puddle. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to get them. And, you know, it's just such a shame or, you know, I stink or whatever, you know, all the little brain gremlins. But really, it's just about managing expectations. I told myself, well, I was thrilled with her, you know, two days ago, just because now I'm disappointed because of the what I see in the video. You know, have your little pity party for two minutes and then and then snap out of it because my horse is a rock star. She's so willing. She's doing everything I say. She doesn't need to know that her changes aren't perfectly clean. <laughs> oh, anyway, so I enjoyed being a student. I enjoyed being pushed outside my normal box. I enjoyed having eyes on the ground. I, I enjoyed having confirmation of, of the challenges that I was experiencing with my different horses. And I was enjoying the achievements. I enjoyed my horses getting a round of applause. I enjoyed people telling me my horses were beautiful. It's fun. I don't think I'm going to attempt flying changes with Natia in lessons anymore. I can let her just be perfect as she is and I'll continue to fiddle with it and do our version of it. And like I said, keep her feeling like a rock star. So yes, I am confident in my skills. I'm confident in my system. I'm confident in my results and in core imparo. Yet I am learning. I have to share though, in the, in the middle of the night, you know, after I looked at the video, I, I woke up with just like an image of Natia in my mind. And I felt like there was just a little knife in my heart. I felt so guilty. You know, I was reviewing that moment and I just thought, oh, Maybe I should have stopped. And it's just amazing. I just woke up. I was just beating myself up. So I got up and I went outside. It was a beautiful morning. And my horses were finishing their breakfast and all the pastures were open. So after breakfast, we open all the pastures and they all get to go out in the main area in one big herd And, you know, I was thinking about the last four days and the hard work that they had done and the trailering back and forth and the ways that I pushed them 
you know, a little further than I normally do. And I looked at them and Ovation saw me, picked his head up and came marching over to greet me with a great big lick on the face. Hotshot came along with him, of course, because they're always together. Asked for some scratches. Little Cora, my, my almost two-year-old, saw me and came galloping up straight to me and stopped and then took three purposeful steps backwards saying, look at me, Mom, I know how to behave to get a cookie. Now give me a cookie. <laughs> so cute. And then Natia and Solana came sauntering out and they were sort of heading towards me and then they veered away at first and my heart just sank. I thought, oh no, oh no. And I said, don't take it personally, Karen. And then I looked up and I noticed that they walked over to Atomic and made it really clear that they were both in season. And I guess Atomic was looking particularly sexy that morning. So I thought, okay, well, <laughs> I can't compete with that. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to. And then the three of them, Natia, Solana, and Atomic, all came right over to me. Solana gave me some sweet knickers. Natia turned her nose up in that toothy smile that's her cue for me to give her cookies, which she definitely got. I obeyed very well. And so I just stood out there with them in that beautiful morning sun, and I curried them, and I scratched their itchies, and I pulled Spanish moss out of the trees for them. And they did their little tricks and gave me their cues for me to give them more love and more cookies. And in that moment, and in every moment, all is right with the world. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book, you can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.